Romans 15, um, 13, 1 to 13. We who are strong are to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good, to build them up. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult, you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. So that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had. So that, to, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another than just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth so that the promises made to the patriarchs might be confirmed. And moreover, that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing the, the praises of your name Again it says, rejoice you Gentiles with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, let all the people extol him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will spring up, one will arise to rule over the nations. In him, the Gentiles will hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Will you pray with me? Father, we are so grateful to be here, grateful for your word. So we praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, because in your great mercy, you have given us new birth into a living hope and into an inheritance which can never perish, spoil, or fade. Thank you that this inheritance is kept for us who through faith are being shielded by your power until the day of Christ's return. Lord, fill us with hope today so that we may overflow by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's good to be back. I, uh, I am grateful that I got to go and preach a revival in South Carolina. It's a beautiful part of the world, and uh, there are mountains there, who knew? And uh, there are lakes there, and we had the privilege, uh, the music minister and I, who shared in that service, those services uh, stayed in a lake there, and it was um, on a lake, and it was a great, great time, and we are grateful that we got to go. But it's good to, it's good to come home, and I have to tell you a little bit about that church. When we went through Hurricane Harvey, so they're halfway across the country, and this guy and I did graduate work together. We worked on our doctorates together years ago, and I hadn't heard from him in all these years. I mean, I knew where he was generally, and I knew he was pastoring. And he called me and he said, so my church took up an offering for people who've been affected by Harvey. And he said, we want to send it to your church so that you can use it to help people whose homes flooded. And they did. And it was a generous 
offering, and I was grateful that we got to share that with some of you, with some of our people uh, in that time, and uh, to get to go and see those people face to face, and they are, they are gracious, and they are kind, and so I'm, I'm grateful that I got to go and, and be a part of that. The last night I was with them, you know, it's been a long week, and it, it was, frankly, I mean, it's hard work, I mean, you know, uh, sharing in that. Uh, but it's, it's, it's beautiful. And at the end, I told him a story about a lady who was in church, back to Tyler's idea about being a welcoming place. And uh, this lady wanted to welcome guests in her church, and she saw that they had a guest, but she didn't get a chance before church to welcome him. It was the first time she'd ever seen him in her church. But there was a guest preacher that day, and I don't know how to say this. You know what this is like, but he preached long. And I don't mean just like a little bit long, but a lot long. And it went on and on. I mean, people were like, when is he going to finish? And somebody said, he finished a long time ago. He just won't quit. He just keeps preaching. And so, there, you know, this is going on. And she noticed this guest fell asleep, which is not good, you know, when the, when the preacher's preaching and the, and the guest falls asleep. And so um, when the service was finally, finally over, she went over and she introduced herself to him. Her name was Gladys. And she said, hello, I am Gladys Dunn. And he looked at her and said, so am I. I am glad it's done. I'm, I, he didn't understand. His name was not Gladys, but he was glad the service was over. So when we finished the revival out there, it's not done. They're still praying, and God is doing amazing things in that church. They had more people in church every night of last week than they had on Easter, more than they've had in a year and a half. The pastor bravely, I mean, nobody's having revivals right now, but he said, it's time it's time for God's people to come back together. And I'm grateful that all of us are here. I'm grateful for our folks online. And the point is that at some point, you'll know, you ask God, but there's a time when God's people all come back together and worship and that we can be back together in this place. And we long for that day when we can worship the Lord together in that way. So years ago, a ship sank off the coast of Newfoundland and divers were dispatched to see if anybody survived. It's a true story, I researched it this week. And so they swim to the spot where the ship is, but it doesn't look like anybody survived. And they're just about to give up when they hear a tapping sound, there's like a, a noise. And they swim to the side of that and six people had found an air pocket and they were still alive in this boat. And they were tapping out a message in Morse code that simply said, is there any hope? Lots of people in our world are asking that question. In, in the passage that we've heard from Romans 15, there's this confirmation that God is a God of hope. I wanna show you a, a supplemental passage in 1 Peter chapter three that gives us a sense of God's Hope. Would you open your Bibles with me and stand together with me as we read from 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. Peter's beginning to experience some persecution, and uh, eventually Peter will lose his life to the Roman government, but before that, he writes these words, the words I prayed in my prayer, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, in his great mercy, he's given us new birth into a living hope. He comes back to that theme of hope. And listen to what he says. Just in verse 15, he simply says, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. 
Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. So Peter has this idea that when Christians do what we do well, that other people are gonna notice us and say, why are they so hopeful? And he said, always be ready. Because when you live under the lordship of Jesus Christ, when Jesus, we say to our kids when they choose to follow him, Jesus is your boss. When Jesus is the boss of your life and you live with reverence before him, you will have hope and other people will ask you why. Why are you hopeful? I'm going out on a limb here this morning, but I'm just wondering, is anybody asking? Is anybody asking the church right now, why are you as the body of Christ so hopeful? There are many circumstances in our world that we would say mitigate against hope right now. There are a lot of bad things going on. Uh, You know that. We can chronicle it. It's in the news. There's all this bad stuff in our world. And in the middle of that, I just want to remind you that when Paul was writing to the people in Rome, when Peter was writing his letters, those were difficult times for believers as well. The world was chaotic and crazy and not especially interested in Jesus Christ. But in the middle of that, Peter had this idea that Christians could set ourselves apart by being so hopeful that other people would ask, where do you get that? Because I don't know if you know this, but we have to have hope to live. And the good news is there is hope available in Jesus Christ. So last Sunday morning, different text, different sermon. But I had lots of things I wanted to preach in South Carolina, but I was thinking, it's time. What time is it? And the first thought that came to me was, it's time to hope. It's time to hope. But I was wondering, I'm not kidding. You think preachers know, but I mean, I was getting in the car to drive to the church. And I'm thinking, is, is this the right message for this church this week? I opened the, the hatchback. I put that they loaned to us, this car they loaned to us. I put my computer bag in, I close it, and I see the license plate of South Carolina. Now, I mean, I've never paid attention, forgive me if you're a South Carolinian, but I don't really pay a lot of attention to license plates. But this is what it said across the top of that license plate. While I breathe, I hope. You know what I thought? This is the right message. I'm in the right place. And frankly, in our world these days, I could have been anywhere. That message is needed. And their doom, it's from Latin in their motto, you know, they have a state flag and a motto, doom spiro sparrow, while I breathe, I hope. This is what we find, that hope is in the DNA of followers of Jesus Christ. You see it in Romans. You see it in 1 Peter. You see it throughout. You you see it um, when Paul says to the Colossians, Christ in you, it's plural. Not just Christ in me by myself, but Christ among believers. Christ living in vital relationship with his people is the hope 
of glory. And if you're wondering today, is there any hope for me? The Apostle Paul answers that question. The Apostle Peter answers that question. Yes, there is a resounding, exhilarating yes. Is there hope for us in a difficult time after all we've been through, all that we've gone through? Is there any hope for us? And Paul says yes, and that hope is found in Jesus Christ. And because you have Christ, you always have hope. So life without Christ is just life without hope, but life with Christ is endless hope. The hope never ends. Notice what Paul teaches, and I'm in this Romans passage that we read first. In Romans chapter 15, if you have your Bibles, open to that passage, and you find him saying, first of all, where do we get our hope? Our hope comes from the Word. That is, from God's Word to us, God's promises to us revealed in the living Word, Jesus Christ, who is revealed in the written Word, which is the scriptures. God, the Holy Spirit, creates holy harmony among his people through the scriptures. So Romans chapter 15, verse 4, listen to this. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have Hope. If you wonder, where will I find hope in this world? Where, where in the world? Well, how about in God's Word? I read a psalm every day, so I'm on Psalm 4 today. It's my third time through in 2021. I'll get through number 65, and then I'll start Psalm 1 again, New Year. This is just my practice since I was in the eighth grade. I think it has sustained me and taught me how to pray. How did you learn to pray, Pastor? Well, first of all, my mom, listening to her pray. Second of all, Wordus Gideon, my professor in seminary, listening to him pray. And third of all, reading a psalm every day has taught me who God is, to understand his attributes and his character, his holiness, his love, his goodness, his grace, his power, and all of that has inspired me. So this week we came back to Psalm 1, and listen to what it says. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, who does not stand in the way of sinners or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season. Whatever they do prospers. Where do we find hope in a world that is struggling, in a world that needs the oxygen of hope and oxygen seems in short supply? Is there any hope? We find it in God's word. So Billy Graham goes over to England and he preaches for three months in a row and people tried to keep him away. In fact, the Church of England tried to keep him away. At one point they said, Billy Graham has single-handedly set the Church of England back 50 years in his three months here, Billy Graham said, I was hoping to set it back 2,000 years, all the way back to the original church, the church of Jesus Christ. He asked to meet with Winston Churchill, who was the prime minister of England. Winston Churchill wanted no part of that until three months every night of revival, 12,000 people a night, ended with this great massive gathering in Wimbledon Stadium, and Winston Churchill said, okay, I want to meet him. And so Jack Colville, who was his personal secretary, called Billy Graham and his people and said, we want you to come to 10 Downing Street to meet with the Prime Minister of England. And he went there, 
And when he walked in, Winston Churchill, who by his secretary's testimony had been pacing the floor all day saying, what do you say to an evangelist? What do you talk about? When Billy Graham walked in the door, he said, what has happened in our country in the last three months could not have happened unless God was with you. Young man, I do not have any hope for the future. Do you have hope? One of the leaders of the free world who had led his country through World War II near the end of his life was wondering, where can I find hope? If you know Billy Graham, he taught from the Scriptures. He preached the Bible, and he said, yes, there is hope. And that hope is found in relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm calling us today, we who are bombarded and inundated with messages. It's like when we open our phones, we're driving through a dictionary every day. All these words coming at us all day long, all these inputs, very few of them are offering us any hope. But if we would just give God equal time, if we would just hear news from another network, if we would open the Word of God, I believe He would give us a powerful infusion of hope. It's why my friend Ralph West, who pastors up at Church Without Walls, um, we've been friends for like 30 years. He preached a revival at my church in Austin, and he says that his grandmother used to say, I would rather be in the Word of God than in heaven and earth, because heaven and earth will pass away, Isaiah 40. But the Word of our God will endure forever. Grass withers, flowers fall. The Word of our God endures forever. So we turn to the scriptures again and again. You all know the name Francis Chan. My sense, God's spirit is powerfully with Francis Chan, a great preacher in our country. He tells about years ago going to Korea and meeting with a missionary. And the missionary was one of those people who had been taken captive, this will sound familiar, by the Taliban. Back in 2007, there were 23 missionaries from Korea. By the way, there are missionaries from Korea around the world. It's one of the leading mission-sending countries in all the world. How do I know that? Years ago, I was in Washington, D.C. with our choir, and I walked down uh, to Union Station, and there was a Korean evangelist with a little microphone, and he was singing, uh, Redeemed How I Love to Proclaim It. He had come from Korea to evangelize people in the United States of America. Well, back in 2007, they sent 23 missionaries over to Afghanistan. Sounds like a dangerous place to be then and now, I'm sad to say. And and while they were there, they were taken captive by the Taliban, not unlike the missionaries in Haiti that we've been hearing about in the news. And they take them captive and they say, we're gonna kill one of you every day. That's what we're going to do. And the pastor and the oldest deacon said, I die first. And the other one said, no, I die first. And the one said, I'm an ordained pastor. I get to die first. And they are serious about sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. And both of those men were killed. The other 21 survived. How did they survive that captivity of the Taliban? They had one Bible among them in their language And when the Taliban were coming to capture them, they literally took the Bible and tore sections out and gave a piece of scripture 
to all 23 people. They were put in solitary confinement, some of them placed in holes, in dungeons, in cells, and all they had was just a part of the Bible. Years later, they were released. After that time, they were released. And years later, Francis Chan's talking to one of those missionaries, and he said, so aren't you glad you're no longer a captive in Afghanistan to the Taliban? And this is what the guy said. Well, I don't know how to answer that because the 21 of us who survived meet together every once in a while. There were 16 women in that group. And he said, some of those ladies say to me, do you remember how close God felt to us when we were in, in confinement, in captivity, and all we had was the Scripture and our hope in Jesus Christ, and God felt so near, and now I fast and I pray, and I want God to be that near to me again, and it just seems like He was closer to me then. He said, some of them say, some days I wish I were back in captivity. Because when I was a captive, Jesus was all I had. And I knew that he was all I needed. And then this is what Francis Chan says. If you look in the scriptures, Old Testament and New, what you find is sometimes in the worst times in our lives, that's when God is nearest to us, when we can hear his voice, when we can't hear any other noise, we can hear his voice most clearly. So the example in the Old Testament, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they refuse to bow down to the idol, and they get thrown into the fiery furnace, but it's only there that they have, in close, they have a close encounter of the God kind where there's a fourth person in the fire with them. And Nebuchadnezzar's like, Who's it? Who we threw three in, right? I'm counting one, two, three, four, because God would not leave them alone in their suffering. New Testament, Stephen preaches. They're, they're throwing rocks at him. Paul's holding the coats of the people who are stoning him to death. And he looks up and he sees Jesus standing, presumably in the honor of the one who's honoring him. Jesus is always sitting at the right hand, but that, that day he's standing at the right. And, and his face, the face of Stephen is transformed. So the people who are killing him think, this is an angel. He's got the presence of God. And this is what I want to say to you. You say, oh, pastor, this has been such a hard time. And here's what I want to say to you. What if this moment is our greatest opportunity to experience the presence of God in our lifetimes. What if everything just went back to normal? What if uh, the world turned back to health and wealth and prosperity and everything started going your way? Would we be close to God? Would we find his presence in that time? And so I want to encourage you, and I just love that they just had a little bit of scripture, and it made me wonder if, if somebody, God forbid, I've got like a, a hundred Bibles, no kidding, several languages in my, but what if that, what if tomorrow they were all gone and I couldn't get not on my phone not on some app not in a leather bound book I couldn't get the Bible if I didn't have the Bible how much Bible would I have as I stood with a lot of our neighbors on Friday afternoon honoring the life of a man named Barham Moss who found our church and this is how he found our church he started coming on Christmas Eve they found in his house, after he died, 52 years young, they found in his house 20 or 30 of our worship guides where he had taken notes on sermons. 
And this is his story. One, one of our members who was his neighbor, a lot of our members were his neighbor, and he helped a lot of our members, but one of our neighbors saw him exercise in the morning and said, I want to exercise with you. They started running. They, they ran over to city center. They ran up, maybe you saw him one morning, they ran up to the top of that parking garage and they would look back over the park and they would look at our steeple and they would memorize scripture together. And the first scripture they memorized was Isaiah chapter 40 where in verses 28 to, to 31, there is this, this teaching, do you not know, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. He gives strength to the weary. He increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, but young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. He fell at one point. He had a traumatic brain injury. Then he had a hole in his heart that he didn't know about. He was in incredible physical shape, but he had a stroke and he lost the use of his, his left side. He left a 12 and a half year old son when he died a couple of weeks ago. But here is the news. He came in relationship with one of our members who memorized scripture with him, who shared good news with him. He came to follow Jesus Christ. So through the power of the resurrection, even though he's no longer here with us, he's with the heavenly father. He found hope in the word of God. And so when you and I, through the scripture, he says in Romans 15, 4, we find endurance and we find encouragement. We find the power to endure, and that's important, to stay under. God doesn't promise that he's gonna take away all our problems, but he will give us the strength to go through them. And the second thing is we find encouragement to unite. We're gonna talk more about that next Sunday when we have our big multicultural Sunday, just one big service. I hope you're here to worship with us at 10.30 in Bible study uh, at nine o'clock in our connect groups. And here's what I wanna say to you. When we center our belief in the scriptures, in the scriptures, when we center our belief in Christ who's in the scriptures, we find that we're not pulled apart. So here's the, the power of hope. It's not centrifugal. It doesn't pull us apart. It's centripetal. It pushes us closer together. You have hope and I have hope. And that common hope is found in Jesus Christ. And he is transforming us by hope. And if you ask me, Pastor, how did you get through the last year and a half? I'll tell you. I'll tell you how I got through. We all got through, right? We're here. Here's how I got through. Um, my memorization partner, running partner, I've been running with for 23 plus years. We started memorizing the Sermon on the Mount on January 1st of 2020. Last year we memorized the Sermon on the Mount. This year we've almost completed, we're not there yet. I, I never, you know, you never count your chickens uh, before they're hatched, but we've almost memorized Philippians this year. And I'm telling you folks, it gets dark sometimes. Most preachers I know right now say, I used to get hit from one side or the other, now I get hit from both sides. I'm darned if I do and darned if I don't. The, the, the world is so divided and we're all working hard to keep that division out of our boat, out of the church. And how do you survive? And, and a pastor to my north and a pastor to my south said, we're done. But my answer to that is, every morning, the Lord awakens me and he gives me the ear of a disciple and it's when the scripture and it comes to me at different times in the day those scriptures we've memorized over the last eight years a different passage every week I don't know how many weeks that is it'll be like 400 different passages that we've memorized over the last eight years by the end of this year 350 or something I don't know how many it is but a lot 
And it's those words from God's word that have given me endurance, that have given me encouragement. I would say supernatural encouragement when there's no human reason to be encouraged because we've had some dark, dark times. And this is what I want to say. All of this should bring us together. This is the hope that enables us to endure and to be encouraged. And in 2 Timothy 3.16, all Scripture, he says, all Scripture is God-breathed and is profitable. It's valuable for what? Well, the Scriptures rebuke us and they correct us and they train us in righteousness. They teach us. This is what the Scripture does. And here's here's the thing. If the news I'm hearing all day long from, from what I read and what I hear on the news, if all of that is somehow giving me this sort of hostility and anger toward other people, I know that's not from God. But when I open the scriptures, what I find is hope that pulls me closer to him and closer to others. Listen to what E. Stanley Jones said. You know why the early church survived? This is what he said. Here's how the early church endured all the difficulties of persecution to make it to where we are today as believers. This is what he said. The early Christians succeeded because and only because they didn't lower their eyes in dismay and say, look what the world has come to. But instead, they lifted their eyes in delight and said, look who has come to the world. Can I, I just can't even describe to you how many voices I hear every day. I have Christian friends. I have family members. And I call them and they say, it's getting worse. It's terrible. The world's in so much trouble. It's so bad. It's never going to get better. Everything is bad all the time. It's not going to get better. And I say, look, it's not look what the world has come to. It's look who has come to the world. That's our message, and that is a hopeful message. So where do we find hope? In in the scriptures, we find endurance and encouragement, verse 4, that lead us to hope. And he's got a little benediction there. We'll talk more about that next week. But then the second benediction in Romans chapter 15, verse 13, and he says, look, here's the thing, that the Holy Spirit not only uh, fills us with hope through the scriptures, but the Holy Spirit causes hope to overflow from us into the lives of other people. So just very simply, he says, he fills us with joy. Not just joy, but all joy. He fills us with peace. Not just with peace, but with all peace. Joy and peace. Who does this? The God of hope. I I never thought of this, but this week I was just pondering this. Does God hope? You say, well, God's sovereign. He doesn't have to hope about anything. But listen, hope in the Bible is not a vague, nebulous kind of wish. Hope in the Bible is a confident expectation. It's looking forward to the future with anticipation and with pleasure. That's what hope is. So we use it kind of like as a synonym for wish, like I hope the Astros finally win tonight. We don't know if it's going to happen. We're all kind of wishing it would happen, but we don't know. And we'll, I don't know. We'll all see, right? But here's the thing. Hope in Christ is not like that. It's not just a possibility. Friends, it's not just a probability. Hope is a certainty. You can take it to the bank. You can write checks on it. Paul says to the Colossians, this hope is stored up for you in heaven. Nobody's going to take it away. The writer of Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19 says, this hope is an anchor for your soul. So when the storm comes through, you can, you can be firm and secure in the hope that Jesus Christ gives. And how does he give us this all joy and all peace? He says, it's when we trust in him. So I called our friend Rex Warwick. We're celebrating his life here Thursday at 10.30. He used to sit right over in here in the first service 
with his family, Jimmy and Barbara Johns, and with uh, his daughters when they were in town, Kelly and Kathy. He was 89 years young. He was hilarious. I mean, when I called him the first time he was in the hospital, he was like, okay, so I can't hear you because the oxygen machine is making too much noise. I said, okay, we're just going to have to trust me. I'm praying for you right now. He said, okay, go ahead and pray. I'll believe you're praying for me. I don't know, but I can't hear you because of the oxygen machine, but go ahead and pray. So I pray for him. Uh, then later, I, I call him to check on him because we thought he was getting better. And then they said, no, he's getting worse. We've heard this a lot with a lot of people. And in the middle of that, I call him and his daughters are there. And they said, so this is what dad's saying to us right now. This is the time to trust. What time is it? It's time to trust. Well, when is it time to trust? It's always time to trust. And here is Rex, this close to seeing Jesus face to face, and he says to his daughters, I don't know what's going to happen, but this is the time to trust. And his daughter, Kelly, said, so God's telling us, trust me. Trust me. Listen to what Jesus said. John 14, verse 1. Let not your hearts be troubled. You, here's another synonym for it. You believe in God. You trust in God. Trust also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And I come back to this again and again. It, it, look, I come back to it again and again that, that all our trust is in Jesus. And what does he do when we trust him? He fills us with so much joy and peace that we overflow with hope. And believe me, if there's one thing the world needs, it's hope. And if they see hope in us, they're going to say, I'm telling you, they'll ask you this week, where'd you get that? Where did you get that? Because they know they need it to live. And it is in such short supply and the only one who's offering it right now, he's got a corner on the market, is Jesus. Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's why Emily Dickinson wrote that beautiful poem as she pictures hope as a bird that won't stop singing in a storm. You know, this, you know this poem? Hope is that thing with feathers that perches in your soul and sings the tune without the words and never stops at all. And sweetest in the storm, the gale is heard. And sore must be the storm that could abash the little bird that kept so many warm. I've heard it in the chillest land and on the strangest sea, yet never in extremity it asked a thing from, from me. You say, I don't know that poem. What does that mean? Well, let me just, I'll summarize it s simply for us. Hope will sing in the middle of a storm and it will never stop and it doesn't cost a thing. It's free. And I challenge you, Tallowood, for the years ahead, as we dream together of who God wants us to be, let it be said of us that this is a place where hope is alive and well because it turns out we have this Savior who knows his way out of the grave, who's already conquered sin, death, and hell, and in him we have, we sang it this morning, a living hope, or as they put it on their on their uh, license plate in South Carolina. While I breathe, I hope. Just check yourself. You breathing? Then you're hoping in Jesus. And when they ask why, be ready to tell them the reason. Jesus.
As my friend John Adams, the pastor of that church in South Carolina says, 18 times a day, just give them Jesus. Because it turns out he's still enough. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for Jesus who has given us life. And I pray, Lord, that you will make us hopeful. I confess, Lord, that sometimes it's tempting to give in to despair and to dismay. And we wonder, when will things be the way they were? And how do we get back to that? And, and what's the future hold? And Lord, sometimes we're so busy wondering what the future holds that we forget that you hold the future. And the one who holds the future holds us in the palm of your hand so we couldn't be more safe than we are. No one can snatch us out of your hand, Father. We belong to you. We are yours. And I pray, Father, that you will make this group of people in the sound of my voice so full of your joy and peace that we overflow with hope this week so that somebody somewhere this week says, why? And Lord, help us when given the chance to give them Jesus. Because it turns out you're all we've got. And praise God, you are all we need. In Jesus' name, amen.